Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Can you tell us what was the exact cause of death? Yeah, so he had an autopsy done here in New York by the New York City Medical Examiner's Office, and it showed that he had an aortic aneurysm um, that ruptured. Which means what? Okay. So aorta, that's the big blood vessel that comes out of your heart, sort of the trunk of all the blood vessels. And uh, an aneurysm is a ballooning of the uh, blood vessel wall, and so it's weak. And it's just one of these things that had been likely brewing for years. Um, and for whatever reason, it happened at this point in time. And how did you handle the theories that there might have been foul play? How did you process that? It's a good question from Gail King right there. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. That is the wife, Dr. Celine Grounder, or Gounder, G-O-U-N-D-E-R, of a guy by the name of Grant Wall. Uh, who did uh, sports for NBC, for, for, not for NBC, was it for NBC? Was he with NBC? He was the guy who covered soccer and showed up to uh, the um, start of the World Cup wearing the, 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 the gay pride t-shirt. His brother is gay. He's going to stand up to Qatar, the nation of Qatar or Qatar, and, and support uh, gay people. I didn't like it from the word go. Because if you're opposed to what it is that Qatar does to gay people, how they feel about homosexuality, you do not go. You don't do the thing that can not only endanger you, but endanger all the people around you. You're going to show how woke you are. I thought it was a mistake from the beginning. Now, I didn't want the man dead. And if you had asked me just a day ago, day and a half ago, what did I think of his death? I would have said to you, I'd like an investigation, please. I 1,000% want an investigation into how this guy died. His wife is putting to rest the idea that it was foul play. And she wants to be very clear. I think... In these kinds of moments, you really have to show grace to how people grieve. Mm -hmm. And my family, my husband's family, our family, um, has had a lot of loss in the last few years. My brother-in-law was there when my father passed away. Um, He was there to see the chest compressions and the shocks. He was there with my mom. Um, Shortly thereafter, his mom passed away, then his dad. Uh, So that was grief talking. Yeah, I think so. You know, there's just been a lot. Yeah, I mean. The grief talking was from uh, Grant Wall's brother who said something happened here and has come out to say, okay, clearly this was just one of those things that happened. Just a question of timing and horrific timing Uh, at that as if ever there's good timing uh, in, in something like this. Uh, so so for for just a bit of clarification, uh, what happened and w- with Grant Wall and the World Cup. But I don't allow things that have happened to change a, a point of view because it's just emotional. If if data comes out, that can change my point of view. If I'm asked, Grant Wall was wrong. Because Grant Wall, I in in my view, in wearing this T-shirt, was doing something that endangered a lot of people and was virtue signaling back to a society that isn't bigoted about a society that is. 
And if he was really opposed, he would have said, I'm not covering the World Cup. I was not impressed. I'm not impressed by virtue signaling. I'm impressed by doing. If Colin Kaepernick really wanted to better relations with the police, he would have done that, not taken a knee. And remember, all these years later, there's still nothing better. He, from his action, there's still nothing better. He changed nothing. Celebrate him all you want, Nike culture or Dave Chappelle or anybody else. Dave Chappelle once said his, his belly was full, but he did this for us. No, no, he, no, he didn't. And if he did, what is the thing he did? Because nothing changed because of him. Zero. I mean, that's just, I don't know how you don't notice that. But that's the story of Grant Wall and uh, certainly condolences to his family and his friends. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz and this is Tony Katz Today. So Purdue has found their man. The question is, who is this guy? Who is the new coach? Of Purdue University. Do we know him? How do we feel about him? A defensive mind? I thought we were looking for a more offensive uh, future. But Ryan Walters gets the call. He is the coach. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. JMV joins us right now from 93.5107.5. The fan. And I want to get into something that Jeff Saturday said, uh, coach of uh, the Colts, and some Matt Ryan talk because he's now speaking out. But Ryan Walters, leaving uh, his position as the Illinois defensive coordinator to be the new head coach at Purdue, um, I did not hear his name. I didn't see anybody talking uh, about uh, his name. He's 36. He's young. And this is the opportunity of a freaking lifetime. I would have said yes as well. Who is Ryan Walters and is this the right fit? Yeah, he's a defensive coordinator. The reason why he didn't hear it is because nobody was really talking about it. I actually heard it the day before yesterday for the first time. And really because I talked about how they were going to, and I think many Boilermaker fans told he felt the same way. They were going to go down that path of somebody with an offensive philosophy again. So this kind of surprised folks, but when you do a, a deeper dive in his background, you can understand why AD Mike Babinski and others in that inner circle decided to go this direction. Um, it's going to be, Odd to see what they do. I guess odd's the wrong word. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with the offensive philosophy and where they're going to go for a guy that primarily has been a, a defensive mind here and a very good one at that. But he is young. He was on the tip uh, of getting a gig. Um, it's re- interesting. Uh, Brett Bielema, who is the uh, head coach over at Illinois, knew that this day was going to come for him, but didn't know that it was going to be also, this week, didn't know it was going to be to a rival within the Big Ten, Purdue. So I think once you get past that, well, wait a minute, they're always going with an offensive philosophy. If you get past that and you look at the credentials he has um, as a guy growing into it at a very young age as a head coach, the more and more I think Boilermaker fans can be talked into liking it. But it was a little bit surprising, no doubt. I have I, I don't know the man. I want to see him be successful. I've got nothing against the man whatsoever. The question that I, I, I ask when I see this pick is, was this rushed? Was this uh, the Purdue Athletic Department feeling like they were under the gun? There were only a limited uh, number of, of choices here. And was there something outside of... You know, maybe knowing people from, 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 you know, conference play, things like that, that made them make this choice. You know what? I think that it was a tight inner circle. 
because there were not a lot of people that were privy to these internal conversations about where they were going to go. And I think that's why, you know, we didn't hear anything. That's why I didn't talk anything with you about it, hearing it from others that on a daily basis cover that Boilermaker football program. I just think this was a really good job by Purdue of keeping this thing, which is impossible to do any longer, under wraps for as long as they did. And I, it doesn't really feel rushed to me uh, because, to me, it seems like that they got who they wanted in this. I get what you're saying about it, too, because you've got guys going anywhere and everywhere right now. and You know, you want to make sure you make a, make a stand. you got to get somebody. And it probably feels like you need to expedite the process here. But they got evidently who they wanted so i wouldn't call that rush but i will give them credit because normally this stuff gets out and we get to debate this before it actually happens but this thing hit yesterday as breaking news we didn't even really debate it so got to give props to that inner circle up there for the hiring process because it was leak free tony it was well let's talk about some of the other issues this has created or really the, the leaving of jeff brahm has created talking to jmv from 93.5 the fan a whole bunch of coaching staff has followed Jeff Brom down uh, to, to Louisville. The tight ends coach, Ryan Wallace, has now uh, uh, left. Uh, a Ron English, who was the co-defensive coordinator, wide receivers coach, Garrick McGee, running backs coach, Chris Barclay. All of them now looking for real estate down, down in Louisville. You've got a whole coaching staff to rebuild does this take any of your current recruits and make them say hmm where's that transfer portal where where else could i be playing right now um you know what i i haven't heard anybody um it seems like everybody that you hear from everybody that's been vocal about it um seems like that they're cool with it hey tony man that's always that is always going to be a situation, and that's going to be a situation even if the coach is still there. That's going to be a situation like JT Daniels, for example, who uh, most recently was the quarterback at West Virginia, I think is looking for his fourth school to be the quarterback of. So this whole transfer portal thing was supposed to be for one year, and now it's unlimited, and it is absolutely chaotic, and it, it breeds that entitlement. Nobody ever has to be accountable for anything. If you don't like your situation, if you're not getting playing time, then you can just move on. So I think all the things that we're talking about right here would happen anyway, not just necessarily with this particular coaching change because the guy is is young and well thought of. And again, um, with the excitement they built, the only thing you have to make sure, Tony, to me, that you have to get is somebody offensively here. You don't want to end up like IU, for example, and Tom, Tom Allen six years and have a revolving door an offensive coordinator, you want to bring somebody in and somebody in that you can you can count on and you want to bring somebody in with an offensive philosophy because that is the one question that Boilermaker fans have, Tony, right now, is whether or not they should have gone after an offensive guy. So you go out and get offensive guys that you can trust, especially an offensive coordinator, and you calm those waters a little bit. But the whole back and forth with players, that stuff's going to happen anyway. It doesn't necessarily have to be a change of head coaching. Let's move it over to the Colts because two things got said that I thought were kind of fascinating. The first is Matt Ryan is talking, quarterback, um, saying, you know, he feels good after the bye week. This is the latest bye I've ever had, he said. I think it's a chance to try and get your body to a space where you're feeling as good a as you can. You know, I, I love athletes who talk and say absolutely nothing. It it it's wonderful. But he seems to be taking a little bit of what has happened this year 
and putting it on his shoulders. Is Matt Ryan a guy looking at next year and saying, I'm still going to be here, honor my contract, this is going to be my team, I'm going to be throwing? You know, it's funny. You mentioned a lot of things that he did say yesterday. When I had him on after he was brought in here back in the spring, he told me that he could play. He envisioned himself playing for another four years. Uh, we barely envision him playing for another four games this year. So I think what you said at the outset, Tony, is accurate. I think he's just talking because you feel compelled to answer the question that has been asked. Um, it's not the same Matt Ryan with that level of excitement that we saw. Uh, to me, it was kind of brushed off to the side, but it kind of sounds like that, you know, outside of just making those decisions or actually the Colts will make the decisions on where they're going to go at quarterback and whether or not, you know, they're going to pay him or, you know, do whatever with his contract, one year still remaining on that. It didn't seem like a very excitable dude with the prospect of coming back here next year. So, yeah, interesting dynamic yesterday. One guy as the interim head coach, that sounds incredibly exciting. And then Matt Ryan, not so much. And he also said, if you remember yesterday, Tony, that his arm was healthy. So I don't know if I would say that if I were him because the arm doesn't look healthy. It looks like Tony Katz has a better arm than Matt Ryan right now. And I would not consider that healthy. So that was wow. a surprise. Hey. That press. I, well, I haven't seen you throw. Oh, I'm very I'm good, actually. What, about about 10, 10 yards. I, I, how much I, mustard you can put on it? You, where do you want to go? You want to see how this works? <laughs> I do, man. I this, do. This, yes. this still, can still do the thing. <laughs> oh, yes. If it wasn't for my mother not allowing me to play high school football, I would have been I would have been world class. That's all. That's all I'm saying well, there. Um, hey, man, that's what happened to Greg Brady. Greg Brady, his mom, you know, she, Carol didn't let him play either. Who, who knows what he could have been, just like you. Uh, stepmom. Let's, let's get it right. <laughs> we, 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 we don't know what happened to mom, but stepmom wouldn't let him play. It, we're doing a full Brady thing, breaking See, it down. By Greg Brady, now you're going by Greg Brady exact words, Tony. Come on, man. Right. We're doing Brady <laughs> Illuminati right here, talking to JMV from 93.5, The Fan. Uh, you don't think that he could have had arm problems from the beginning of the season and then whatever happened uh, in well, it was weeks eight or week, yeah. you know, week nine, uh, that, that, that just exacerbated it. You don't think he could be back to throwing at least 25 yards now? Um, I, I don't see it. I mean, I don't see one week of not being involved in it going to make that much of a difference for him. No, I don't. His arm just has not looked strong the entire year. And again, then it was made worse by the fact that he was constantly, you know, being sacked and being hit, being knocked down. That made things worse. But yeah, to say that to me, to say that, um, that he's got a healthy arm. I, I think you got to look closer at that because he struggles going down the field. That's why they don't throw it down the field because he struggles so mightily getting it down there. So, yeah, I think we're just playing out the string and then we'll have to, a, a myriad of decisions to make. We're going in that quarterback position, Matt Ryan and others coming up in the off season, but this is going to be it. Before I, before I let you go, Jeff Saturday coming out to say, absolutely, I want to interview for the full-time gig. I, I knew what this was, but if there if there's an opportunity to be the full-time head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, I want in. He does? Yeah, yeah. And you know what? The owner botched it. The owner botched it. Because if you really, truly wanted Jeff Saturday with zero experience to succeed, you wait until the end of the season, Tony. You wait until the end of the season because all of this – Losing and bad play was going to happen whether it was Frank Reich or Bubba Ventrone or you or me or whomever. It was all going to take place. And now all this does is muddy the water 
of belief. You would have, have an easier sell if you're Jim Mersey, somebody with zero experience in the offseason, hit the ground running, get into it, than you would bring somebody in midweek and expect them to put up numbers where everybody's going to get on board. Because obviously not a lot of Colts fans right now are on board with this. So, yeah, the owner should have waited. This, this whole thing, if you wanted Jeff Saturday as your head coach, the way that it was handled was botched. Let me give you now my case for Jeff Saturday that I didn't have until a conversation that we had just earlier this week, that one of the things that you will need going forward is for Jim Irsay to move to the side and stop being so vocal. Jeff Saturday is one of the few guys in the Irsay orbit who can look at Jim Irsay, sit him down and say, I'm not listening to you. You brought me in to do a job. Leave me alone. Don't have an opinion. Don't speak to the press. Just go count the money. True or false? Yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. You can tell, and that's why if you're Chris Ballard, you kind of put your hands up and go, hey, wait wait a minute right here. Because Chris Ballard clearly didn't like the hire of Jeff Saturday, clearly was not on board with it, and clearly his vote vote at that point didn't count. So, yeah, I mean, he's one guy that can bring aboard that dynamic but the problem you have right now is how much how much is better in terms of apollo 13 what on the ship is good right now what has been enhanced because of his presence i mean really not a lot they have the same old issues same old problems and the same old losses so that's a tough sell tony yeah, but those same old issues, same old losses, it's also involving the, the, the same old people. You get to change that in, in, in the offseason so that th- those things are going to change anyway. This at least gets you a little bit to the idea of being able to inspect the goods and see who's going to stay and who's going to go. The Chris Ballard conversation, of course, is the big one, but I don't think I'm off base by saying that he's the guy who could talk to, to Jim Irsay no, in, no, in yeah, that way. Right. The question is, is Irsay willing to step aside? Um, I, I, um, fully, no. I mean, I, I think once he feels, once they get a cons- consistency in winning, he'll probably take more of a hands-off approach if they do. But yeah, I don't see him going from, you know, 60 to zero, so to speak right now. I mean, that's just the way he's handled this season with that very hands-on approach. I don't see that changing until the results of this team for the better change with or without Jeff Saturday. But no, to be clear, you're absolutely right. I mean, if there's somebody that's going to go to the owner and say, hey, um, this is what I need, this is what we need to do, it's Jeff Saturday, and it sure as hell Jeff Saturday more than just Chris Ballard right now. JMV, 93.5107.5 The Fan, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. We've got more to get to. I'm Tony Katz. So do you believe this poll? Now, you guys know I don't believe any one poll. And after this election, I'm done. I'm out. I'm cold turkey on polling. They say what they say. I'm going to go with my gut on where I think people are. I'm not following anymore. I can't do it anymore. My faith is not there. Yet some people will tell you how accurate the polls were uh, this season. What the polls didn't do was properly assess where the shy right voter is something that I believe is real, but didn't necessarily present itself in this case. So what am I supposed to take from that? That the polling was indeed accurate because the ways you would have thought, well, there, if the Democrat is up by one and you take a look at this number, I mean, the Republican is up by two and that didn't show up. 
You can argue, yeah, well, some of the some of the polling outfits got it right, but some of the polling outfits got it very, very wrong. Polling outfits that were reliable four years ago and eight years ago just absolutely, you know, what in the bed this time around. What to take from that, what to make from that is me saying, you know what, I'm going to leave the polls to others. Hopefully, I have the strength and conviction to stick by this come the presidential election of 2024, which has already damn well started. It's... We got no rest, people. Nothing. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? Find everything. TonyKatz.Locals.com. It was a USA Today Suffolk poll that shows by a two-to-one margin, GOP and GOP-leaning voters say they want Trump's policies but a different standard bearer to carry them. 61% prefer some other Republican nominee other than Trump. 31% want Trump. Are you surprised? Do you care? That's the question. According to the director of the Suffolk University Political Research Center, Republicans and conservative independents increasingly want Trumpism without Trump. Funny, I know this guy on radio who has been saying just this for two years. Because we've been all over this subject. This isn't about whether you like Trump or don't like Trump. You want to learn the lessons of Trump and you want other people to be able to carry that ball forward. The idea that you can only rely on one guy, that level of idol worship, that dog won't hunt, that dog's crazy as a loon. That's a terrible way to go about things. And oh, I've seen radio hosts and pundits and oh, the real conservatives talking about it. It's as ignorant as the never Trumpers. The only Trumpers and the never-Trumpers don't play in the real world. Philosophy, policy, attitude, these things matter, and we can get them in different people, in different packages, because you want to be able to spread policy and attitude. So you can't just rely on one person to bring it. That's why I never relied solely and exclusively on Trump. That's why I oppose the idea of comparing people to the ghost of Ronald Reagan. How the hell do you compare yourself to the ever-growing legacy of a dead man? You don't. You can't. And therefore, Republicans will forever be disappointed. You have to be going into what's next. You have to be going into who can uh, engage those lessons and bring new ones that more people can learn from. And therefore, you get better candidates and you get stronger candidates and you get a a multiplicity of candidates across the board, across the country. This is what you want. Of course, this is what you want. Am I surprised by this? No, I'm not. And some people are going to say, oh, Tony, never Trump or to the end. Which part of kiss my... Tony... Tony, people are entitled to their opinion, and that's okay. Don't get me wrong, Tony. They can go kiss your, I'm just saying they're entitled to their opinion. Uh, We've we've come to the point of silly. If Trump's still your guy, Trump's still your guy. I'm not going to tell you no. What I'm going to tell you is, if you don't understand the importance of the argument of spreading the message, as opposed to the reliance on one guy, You're unserious. And if your plan is to attack, let's say, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis because you're trying to support Trump, you're the problem. You are, these people are as much ridiculous, because I shouldn't say you, I don't want to attack you. You, I love. These people who said, uh, we're going to stop the steal by not voting in Georgia. Do you know how ignorant you are? 
I mean, that's a ridiculous, nonsense thing to do. And yet there are people who proudly did it. These aren't the people I want on my side. If you're going to be that ridiculous, if you're going to vote, well, then uh, I suggest voting this way and thank you very much. And then, uh, you know, we'll have that in agreement and everything else will just be like, okay, we just won't pay any attention. Right? Let's just agree on that. Oh, my gosh. They're stealing the election anyway. So what's the point of voting? I'm not even going to vote. Okay. Super, super helpful. You're doing you're, you're you're doing great. You're just you're just knocking it out of the park is what you're doing. My gosh. My gosh, you are you are just a genius. As ignorant as never Trump. Oh, I'll never vote for Trump. Really? Because I've got Bernie Sanders over here running against him. Who are you gonna vote for? Well, I just can't bring myself. It's Bernie Commie Sanders. It's Elizabeth Commie Warren. What you gonna do? It's Stalin. I've got Stalin running against Trump. What are you gonna do? Are you really telling me that for the never Trumper, there's something to consider here? Stalin or Trump? And now say, oh, well, uh, 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 uh. The entire Never Trump movement is as ridiculous and pathetic, embarrassing, and altogether uh, ill-fated as any other movement out there. And and so we understand each other. I want to make sure I'm engaged in clarity. If you still look to Bill Kristol as an intellect, we're done. If you're looking to Jonah Goldberg and David French and Charlie Sykes as men of intellectual heft, we're done. And by the way, you should note that it pains me to talk that way about Jonah Goldberg. Because Jonah Goldberg has intellectual heft. Jonah Goldberg has written books that you love. Jonah Goldberg has engaged in conversations that you adore, even if you haven't heard the conversations. But this never Trump mindset is so non-valuable. We are about policy. That's what we're about. We're about philosophy, logic. I didn't say you had to support him. I didn't say you couldn't vocally discuss why you don't support him. That's fine. That happens all the time talking about the this uh, Respect for Marriage Act and how it got voted on by Senator Todd Young, Indiana Senator Todd Young. He's wrong. He, he was wrong to vote for that. Wrong. There will be many things as senator that I agree with him with. He was wrong here, and he can give me all the excuses in the world. This is an absolute slippery slope to the attack on religious freedom. He voted for it. He will forever be wrong on this subject. I can say that someone is wrong and not say never young. See how that works? Because if Todd Young is running for Senate for a third term, let's say, because he already got elected to the second term, and he's running against um, uh, Stalin again. Man, Stalin gets around. I tell you, he's he's running for everything. Um, I have a choice to make. What value is the never young opinion? What value is never Trump? It is valueless. It has always been valueless. Going back to when National Review first put out that entire article. And oh, look at the real conservatives signing on to it. 
three-fourths of those people are now Trump lovers and Trump humpers to the very, very end. Some of them based on, you know, rational, okay, he did this, he did this, he changed my mind, that's great. Your mind can be changed. Some of them based on just jumping on a bandwagon. But none of that was necessary because you don't go never to a, to a, a person It's what the person believes in. It's the philosophies that the person is engaged with. That's what matters. I'm never communism. I'm never communism. Why? Because after much study, I have learned that communism sucks. Communism never, ever, 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 ever works. The only thing communism has ever inspired is a prayer for a quick and painless death. That's it. You cannot point to a success in communism. You cannot point to a growing future in communism. You cannot point to a happier people in communism. I am never communism, not because I decided so, but because the facts put you in that place. But it's all based on what? Policy philosophy whether or not you are a free person being able to lead the life you choose as you see fit to the moment of your happiness without the concept of acceptance and in communism you cannot do that you will do what you are told and that is all count me out i'm never communism never trump pure ignorance and, and worse, if we just go back to it, these so-called conservatives, and I say that because nothing within the conservative point of view, through any level of, of, of philosophy, states the idea that the person dictates the policy. Meaning that because a person may have a, 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 a personality flaw to which Trump has a few, hell, Winston Churchill had a few too, It doesn't mean that you can't get the policies that allow you to lead a better life. The argument is, well, you know, the the, the personality is is part of, of the problem. Okay, I give you that. You're allowed that opinion. Now you've got Trump or Hillary Clinton. What's your plan? Your plan was Hillary Clinton? That's not rational. Sure as hell not conservative. That is not valuable. And you deserve the derision you get. David French, Jonah Goldberg, Bill Crystal, Charlie Sykes, the rest of the gang that couldn't shoot straight. You deserved it. And you deserve it today. The person who says Trump or nothing deserves the derision they get because that's not true. That's idol worship. And you're weird. Idol worship is weird. Unless somehow you're talking about Jesus, idol worship is weird, right? Jesus is your top, right? All things within. I know that there are Christians who absolutely believe that and live their lives that way. I do not fault them at all in any way, shape, or form. You do you. Fine with that. A little different than man on earth, and you know, when we're talking about politics, DeSantis could very well be my guy. But if for some reason Pompeo got the nomination, Pompeo could be my guy. What value would I be bringing to the table if I said, well, if it's not DeSantis, I'm not voting at all. If it's not DeSantis, I'm going to vote for Biden for another four years. What a valueless conversation. 
What an ignorant way to look at, at the world. Foolhardy. It is imperative for us to be engaged in policy conversations. What is it that makes our life better? What is it that allows us to live our lives the way that we see fit? What allows us our growth and our opportunities? What is the policies or what are the policies that will most ensure that government leaves me the hell alone? Because when I'm left alone, uh, things are always better. And history, by the way, proves that. When we're left alone... We are able to do much, much better things. So, what do I think of this poll? I think this poll is probably accurate. I think people have started to understand that what they need is to learn the lessons of Trump. They don't need him. Something we've been talking on this show about for two years. We've been talking about it here. We talked about it before anybody else was even close to engaging this conversation. Tell them you heard it here first. I think that's right. I'll give you another one. 31% support for Trump? Maybe. But I think that number goes down. What I also think is, as we get closer to 2024, that number can go back up. If you ask me, I've moved on from, from Trump. I think that's very obvious. No anger. I just need to win. And I don't think Trump gets me there. I don't know if the rest of the nation really has. And I certainly don't know what the future holds. So if you ask me today, now I've got other people that I can go with. But if he's the nominee, well then, that changes things, doesn't it? I'm never, never Trump. I am only never communism. And socialism. I am never communism, and I am never socialism. I am also never low-fat eggnog. What the hell is the point of that? It's eggnog, full-fat deliciousness. That's all you need. And not oat milk eggnog or almond milk eggnog. Stop it. Eggnog, the way nature intended, full-fat, creamy, delicious. As a matter of fact, I need some right now. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. And Congressman, while we have you this morning, before we let you go, Sam Bankman Freed, as you've seen, has been indicted on several criminal charges. It's raising questions about the political donations he's made. I believe he's donated to you. Please correct me if I'm wrong. But can you tell me? Uh, uh, I, I think you're uh, incorrect on that. I think you're not correct. Uh, as far as I know, they have not donated to me. I don't okay. even know who the person is. I, I'm so glad you cleared that up because we've been looking at the donations he's made. Puck has reported that he had donated to you. Do you want to see fellow Democrats and Republicans that he donated to all return those donations or donate them to charities like we've seen some do? Yes, I, I think they should uh, return it to uh, charity. All right, Congressman, thank no, you so no, much. No, on two no, very no, no. I agree that people who took donations from Sam Bankman Freed from FTX should give back the money, but the money has got to go back to be able to getting people repaid. It's not the kind of thing where you can just go hand it off to charity. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, charity is this ethereal, kind of like weirdo statement at times. You have to give it back to the people it was stolen from. How could, how could you even think of anything else? 
How is it possible to think of anything else? Now that was that was Representative Henry Cuellar, right? That that yes, that's Henry Cuellar, uh, and it's important. That people be asked, did you take money from Sam Bankman-Fried? There's a story out that the Indiana Democratic Party took money from FTX from Sam Bankman-Fried. I don't know if it was a ton of money, but any money was money. Are they going to return it to make sure it gets back to the people who were absolutely screwed? And why haven't they returned it already? Or maybe they have. We don't know it. But if they haven't returned it already, they're okay with keeping that money. Oof. I only hope that some people in media start asking questions so we can get that all cleared up, too. Find everything TonyCats.locals.com. TonyCats.locals.com. I am Tony Katz. Tomorrow, everyone, take care.